You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch episode tribe. I am, of course, your host, Michael Cohen. And with me, as always, my faithful co-host, the altitudinous Kyle Avery. What's up, everybody? Weather's great up here. Thanks for asking. (laughs) And uh, the illustrious Joe Hogan. Hey, paisanos. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's another podcast that we just we should go do. <laughs> uh, awesome. I, I, hey, guys. Pretty good episode. I, I think it was a pretty fan. good episode. I, I don't know. I, you know, like there was uh, there. There were some Wookiees. We went to Kashyyyk. There were some spider mantis ducks. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, they were uh, those were kinrafts from Kotor. Sure, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Kyle, you got you really need to let the Kotor thing go because like the only ones left still banging that Kotor drum, they're not the kind of people you want to be associated with. I'm not banging um, a drum. I'm just saying I know, it's a reference. You're such a, you're you can such ignore a it if Kotor, you want. Hard, you're hard Kotor. Mike, you think I'm harder KOTOR than I actually am. (laughs) Every time there's a KOTOR reference, you are the one who jumps in and is like, that's a KOTOR reference. Because I've played the game like 12 times. Not in years, but... Meanwhile, I've completely forgotten everything that happened in KOTOR, except... That's your loss. Except (laughs) that there's like those fish face people and... um, and, uh, That also showed up in Star Wars animation. And you... Like, which is now I have to tell Tina to not listen to this episode okay, because okay. she is going to play the remake. <laughs> yeah, wait, and she doesn't know anything. Like, oh, okay. Like, oh, do you know anything about like sorry, Koto? She's like, no, everybody really likes it. And she... I was like, that's amazing. How have you not heard? Okay, great. I'm okay, not gonna say okay. a word. Don't look anything up. Should I bleep so. that? I could bleep it. Uh, you can if you want. And Does then she I listen will... to these? I think yeah she she likes to listen to, this is going to sound really lame. She likes to listen to stuff that I'm on to like fall asleep to because I'm really boring and <laughs> okay. Although Mike, I guess you put her to sleep more than I do on this like. show, but like I <laughs> uh, that's see now I now now it's awkward cuz now it's like oh. <laughs> I don't like to acknowledge that anybody that like I actually know listens to the podcast. <laughs> It really bothers me. Oh. Like it's it's like it like like people be like I I like oh oh what are your podcasts? And I'm like oh don't worry about it. <laughs> don't. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, don't. This they're not for you. Especially if my coworkers are like, hey, what do you what do you listen to? Or sorry, what 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 should I listen to? Like, should I listen to your podcast? And I'm always like, no, you shouldn't. You wouldn't like them. <laughs> Like, like, no, there's a part of me that you guys do not understand. And I would prefer that you didn't know uh, in detail. But uh, anyways, uh, what I was going to say about 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 KOTOR is that um, at the time, I feel like we all were like, 
we were so starved for Star Wars. I, I I know it was like right after the prequels, right? But like we wanted more so bad. I guess it was pre. It, the first one is in between Attack of the Clones and, and Revenge yeah, of the was, Sith, right? We were mm-hmm. eating great. I, back I, then. I guess what are you I guess we were. About? Uh, but but everybody wanted just like more 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 right mm-hmm. so it's not like it is now um and uh, and and kotor comes out and it's like kotor is like like i want star wars and 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 your mom's like what are you talking about we have star wars at home i cuz it's just like so much of it is just like but what if we just took a TIE fighter and then we just made some little changes to it? Or what if we did this and we just tweaked it a little bit? And I, this is my thing. This is one of my Star Wars pet peeves. I hate it when they do that. I hate it. Like, like as much as I love the sequels and there's like logical reasons, like there's actual like, like thematic reasons in, in the force awakens for the, um, for the the first order to have like copied the empire so much but like i'll but at the same time i hate it i also hate that like the x-wings are just like slightly cooler x-wings if they are cooler i don't actually think they are i don't think the t-70s are better than the t-65s but i i like it's just like the thing that i love about the prequels is that the prequels are like there's other stuff in Star Wars, you guys. Like yeah. when we saw the Naboo Starfighter for the first time, I was like, "Yeah, man, new new Star Wars, not more Star Wars, new Star Wars." And Kotor to me was kind of like, it was like it's a, a, to use another meme. It's like, yeah, you can copy my homework, but just change it up a bit so no one can tell. And it's like, like that's what so much of Kotor just feels that way, where it's like it's ten thousand years in the past, but Tatooine looks exactly the same. Like, come on, guys, come on, like do something interesting, do something different with it. But that's just me. That's 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 just like my own pet peeve. The story Kyle, is no, pretty Kyle, good, but Kyle, as but, as Kotor's drum banger, what is your yeah. rebuttal? Uh, no, you I, know I, what, I Joe? I'm not even going to give a rebuttal. I'm going to be <laughs> a Jedi and just be Zen and meditate <laughs> and when the Kotor reboot comes out, we can all enjoy it and Mike can go be grumpy in his cave. All well, right, I'm cool. going to play it. Like don't get me wrong, cuz cuz like I want to Here's the thing. I want the KOTOR remake to be an actual, like, I want them to remake the game. I don't want them to remaster it or, like, re-release the original. We have the original. If you're remaking it in a with a modern sensibility, it better have all of the, like, everything that they learned from all of the Mass Effect games and mm-hmm. all of the Dragon Age games and all of that. Like, that better all be wrapped into it. If it's just a straight up and down D20 simulator, like the, like, KOTOR and like like Dragon Age Origins were then like I'm not interested like like in terms of video game so like gameplay stuff also also and I know that I will probably get like like I I you know burned at the stake for saying this take away the ability to customize like I th- I think what it needs to be if it were me I would be like this is Kotor definitive edition so Mike. like we're going to go back in and we're going to tighten up is- the story <laughs> This is twice again. You just said yeah. on the one hand, I I agree with that sentiment, but on the yeah. other hand, and the only reason I agree with it, because like 
releasing it in this day and age it's like okay is it canon now because disney is making it but at the same time like you take if you take away the player customization then you also have to yeah. take away the player choice and like that's what the whole game no, you is don't. based around this no, is you where, mm, no you don't no you don't you absolutely no you absolutely don't there are tons of games that don't have full player customization that have choice like but you don't you, it if, doesn't it doesn't have to be let me make this character as ugly as I can. Like No, but I'm saying if 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 the game already has character customization and your justification for taking it away is because this needs to be canon, then you can't also have a light side and a dark side ending cuz those can't also both be canon. Sure, I get what you're saying there. I, but but also at the same time, yeah, there can. There there can absolutely be two. I mean like like I I think um I the Force Unleashed. Had, <laughs> am I going to ruin the Force Unleashed for anyone? No, go for it. Knock, okay. knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah, I uh, the Force Unleashed. I think handles it really well by having an ending that is the considered the true ending, and then when you get the Force Unleashed too, it continues from that ending, right? And that, but then also giving you the opportunity to play the other ending, and then having right. also but, on yeah. top of that an alternate reality DLC that takes it in that other direction. Right. So like I, 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 I think that, that you can, I think that you can have the best of both worlds, but But there's a big difference between an action game with an optional different ending versus an RPG that's based on player choice all the way throughout. No, you're being, you're being, you're being way too dogmatic with the term role-playing game in terms of a video game. Here's the thing. If you play actual tabletop role-playing games, then you know that like video game role playing games are are baby mode right like that that like that's not that's not a real role playing game it, it doesn't matter i don't you get i shouldn't say you give me any video game cuz like ultima online like back in the day not not even ultima online but like the really old ultima games straight like straight up you could do whatever the heck you want you could be a a merchant and never fight a single enemy in that game if that's what you wanted to do in the old ultima games i don't know about the newer ones but like back in the day like the old like top down isometric view ones um i think i'm remembering that i think that's ultima but i i but most of what we consider rpgs nowadays it's like look at mass effect Right. And Kyle, you and I have had so many conversations about Mass Effect. It, it, Mass Effect 3, it doesn't matter what you did in the other games. Mass Effect 3 is going to be Mass Effect 3. And no matter what you do, you're going to have to pick between red, blue, or green. That, like, that's just it, all, all roads eventually lead you back to the same place. They are, they, it is an illusion of choice in those games. It's absolutely an illusion of choice. It's a very good illusion of choice in the Mass Effect games. And so Bioware are the best at it, in my opinion. Um, and, and I mean, like, if you guys want to, <laughs> if you guys want to hear more on what Kyle and I have to say about Mass Effect 3, you can go all the way back to when Mass Effect 3 listen, uh, I released and listen to our April Fool's episode from that year, <laughs> because we did an episode. This was in, in the, during the run of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, and we did Calibrations, the Mass Effect podcast, <laughs> which, which when, when the new Mass Effect game drops, and we've both had a chance to play it. I think, Kyle, we need to come back and do. And uh, oh, Joe, absolutely. do you do you play the Mass Effect games, Joe? 
Uh, I played the first three and I enjoyed them. Yeah, I okay. got about 20 minutes into Andromeda. I was like, ah, out of this. Andromeda is kind of eh. fun gameplay, but the story was totally pointless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when, so here, I will make this promise to everybody when the new Mass Effect game drops and we've all had a chance to play it, the three of us will do an episode of, we'll do the second episode of Calibrations <laughs> 10 years later. So uh, yeah, and we'll see you guys in 2028 or whenever that game actually finally yeah, comes if, out. Yeah, if that ever game, that game ever comes out. Um, but, but so like, I trust, I trust that, that Bioware, if they're, or is Bioware even the one doing the no, remake? No, Bioware's not the one doing it. They had it, it was, off, right? it was Aspire who does all the like ports of games. Yeah. You know, they, they did all the KOTOR ports to like Mac and iPhone and stuff like that. Um, and this was like their first big like development yeah. project. Um, and then apparently things weren't going well and their parent company took it away from them and gave it to another studio that they owned. And so now okay. that game has been delayed. And so. Oh, okay, cool. So then I take hopefully the cultural remakes. He's the light of day, too. Yeah, I take back everything that I said. It's going to be a it's it's they're not going to change anything. The things that they do change will be like like very like they'll they might change some gameplay stuff but i'll bet you anything the story is exactly the same i'm not um, sure this, I don't know, come out. at least with the first iteration of it i know they had brought on a team of writers to like create yeah. some new content um we'll see how much of that actually sticks around but yeah i i mean i agree like i think it needs um it definitely needs a, a reworking of the combat system to be more in line mm. with you know modern action rpg type games and then um you know, I, I think they maybe could do some tweaks to the story to maybe fit some things in with what we know in the current canon, which is very little about like the old Republic time period, but yeah, yeah. Um, things that have been referenced about Mandalorians and Jedi and Malachor and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some little things that they might want to line up or just some different stories that they might want to tell or flesh out certain different character backstories or whatever. But hmm. I think I would I like, I hope that they keep the core of it um pretty much the same and look i mean i'll be the first to admit as much as i love the kotor games and specifically the first one i was never a huge fan of kotor 2 because especially like if you do the light side ending of kotor 1 then kotor 2 is just kind of a bummer where it's like hey the jedi saved the galaxy and then five years later they're all gone and the sith are ruling anyway so it doesn't really matter what you <laughs> did in the first game um but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love that story. I love those characters. I'll be the first to admit that the game has not aged the best. Like I kind of have a hard time going back and getting through it now just with the, the old graphics and the old combat system and the fact that your yeah. character just stands there while you pick dialogue options and they don't actually talk like they do in Mass Effect and all these other games now. Yeah. Um, so I'm very much looking to getting to play it again with a, a modern, fresh coat of paint. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I hope that it comes out. I hope that it happens. But, um, anyways, you can't you can't look. We're fifteen minutes. So, if if Tina just skips to fifteen minutes in, should we <laughs> all right, I'll let her know. Uh, let's not talk about Kotor anymore. Uh, let's talk about Tribe. I love it. We didn't even we got like two seconds into the episode and <laughs> uh, and went on a fifteen minute tangent <laughs> about Kotor. I. Yeah, I, I. In my defense, I, I only brought it up in relation to Bad Batch, and then Mike was like, <laughs> yeah. "Let me tell you why Kotor isn't as good as you think it is." Kyle, here's all the reasons you're wrong about Kotor because you <laughs> noticed the spider thing. Yeah, um, this episode was good. This episode, it was a, it was a fun episode, right? I, I, and it had some actual. 
I don't know. There was there was some actual kind of gravitas to it. I think I I we got to see a little bit more of Wookiee culture, which is cool. Um, it's I I don't know if it necessarily canonized things from the holiday special or not, but it felt a little bit <laughs> like it kind of it kind of like skirted a little bit of that, where it's like. I'm feeling some holiday special vibes with some of these characters, but uh, yeah, it was fun. I, it, I, I here here's here's my biggest takeaway: Hunter was not a wet blanket this time around. Yay! <laughs> At no point did he stop them all and go, "Guys, I don't think this is a good idea." And it's like, good, thank you. Um, but I will say this: never tell Omega to stay with the ship. Just don't do it. And also, Echo, Echo, don't go inside and leave her on the ramp. Come on, man. You know better than that. You're supposed to be the smart one. I uh, I know that like tech is like the is like the 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 technical like oh I'm the smartest smart one. But like I guess I guess what I should say is is Echo is supposed to be the wise one, right? Like he's supposed yeah. to be like the like the the almost like the the um the wizard of, of the, of the, of the group. That's funny. I'm thinking about what, what would their D and D classes be? Right. Cause <laughs> Hunter is obviously a rogue, right. Um, which is weird that he's the leader, but he is definitely a rogue with that knife and his like tracking and like, yeah, he would definitely backstab someone um, for the tactical advantage. He's a, that that's totally his character. Um, maybe he's like a cross-class rogue ranger, but if we really want to get technical, but, um, but yeah, yeah I would have gone ranger like for him and rogue for, for crosshair. No, see, that's the thing is that like, so, so if we look at like a uh, fifth edition rules, I, I like the way that you create a character with that, you, you, you pick your class and then you pick your backgrounds. And I would say that like, like you're kind of, um, with those two characters, you're playing them actually like counterintuitive to their class. Mm. So you're picking their class, but then you're actually picking a background. That's like, that's a, that's a background that would be better for the other class. And that's what makes them interesting. That those two characters Hunter's skill set is absolutely like, I mean, the, the tracking stuff is, is, is very uh, ranger esque, but like, I don't like, like just the bandana and the knife and everything. Like he seems <laughs> much more like he, he'd sneak up behind you and slit your throat, then shoot you with an arrow from far away. Whereas crosshair is like crosshair is a ranger straight up and down. Right. Mm. Um, I wrecker is obviously just a fighter, <laughs> just, or maybe barbarian. Actually. I don't know. He never really rages though. That's the thing. Cause that's like the definitive thing for a, for a barbarian that differentiates them from a, from a fighter. Right. Cause you could have a fighter that is also just like a total tank uh meathead like like damage dealer right um and then echo i would either put as i echo i think is a probably a paladin in like in, in strict D terms and then and then i i i omega tech tech is tech's like an artificer wizard probably something like that and then omega is a bard that's her whole purpose in the group is to just cheer them on. Like she, <laughs> she gives them buffs by just being there. She's just like, you guys are the greatest. And then they're like, we really are the greatest and we could do anything, um, which is the purpose of a bard. So 
best class in D&D, by the way. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just bored everybody who's not a D&D nerd, but for the people who are, <laughs> they were either like, they were either like, yeah, that's right. Or they were like shouting at their, at their podcast device that I'm wrong. So I'm just fast forwarding. Yeah. Uh, if that's the case, you tell, tell me, tell me what you think the, their character classes are. I, uh, and then, and then Rex is just, he's, he's all of the classes. He doesn't have one <laughs> class. He's just like every level he takes a different class. Well, in Bad uh, Batch, Rex is just the quest giving NPC. Yeah. See, this tells me that you've never played actual D and D. You are absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're talking in like, you're talking in video game terms and like NPC is not like a non-player character is definitely from D and D, but like, that's not how it works. You don't have like quest givers in, in, I mean, if you have a good uh, uh, dungeon master, you don't have just like a, a quest giver with an exclamation point over their head. Um, it shouldn't be that easy, but uh, anyways, I, I, I don't know. T- t- guys talk about this episode. What's some stuff that you liked from it? I was just happy to see Gunji back again. Um, yeah. You know, I, I will say, I mean, it's, I don't want to be negative right off the bat, but I would say my, I'll kind of just get this out of the way. I feel like my main criticism with the episode, I wish it was a little bit longer and I wish Mm. they gave some of the story points a little bit more time to breathe. And I wish, I I almost wish this had been split into two episodes. Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like you could have done a whole episode about them rescuing Gunji from the, you know, those droid uh, mercenaries or whatever and getting him back to Kashyyyk and reuniting with the Wookiees. And then you could have done a whole episode kind of exploring the Wookiee culture and then introducing the Trandoshans and uh, getting into kind of more of that rivalry and um, the, you know, just kind of building them up more as villains. Whereas I feel like as it is, the episode was very kind of fast paced and just like they were zipping around from place to place and stuff just kind of happened. Um, it was enjoyable stuff. It was stuff that I liked watching. And, you know, anytime you're on Kashyyyk and there's Wookiees involved, like I'm always going to be interested. But um, I just felt like they could have had kind of some more depth and some more purpose to some of the stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still, you know, it was fun. As much as I would love this to be like a 10 out of 10, like really, you know, deep touching story. Like it was still, you know, a, a good fun episode. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, what really took me by surprise was how much the score stuck out in a good way. Because normally, like a lot of it, you know, the score's job, at least in, in in my opinion, is to you don't really notice it's there. And it's just kind of helping yeah. you set the tone, set the mood. And it's telling the story just as much as the visuals are. Right. Um, but I don't know what it was, the the like the Wookiee village like earthy flutes track that played like a few times. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. It felt like, it felt like it felt like peak clone wars score for me, because there's a lot of tracks in clone wars that I always think about. And like, I immediately remember the scene, but like in the bad batch this season and last season, they're really other than the main theme. Like, if I heard a, a track from the Bad Batch, I probably wouldn't know what scene it was. But Clone Wars had a lot of tracks like that that you immediately remember where that was. And, like, this one really, you had a track for me that, like, it was powerful. It was, it was like, I, I don't know. It just felt fuller and, and there was more to it than, than the usual. So I was really happy about that. Um, 
And I think the other thing to kind of go back to what Kyle was talking about, uh, you know, expanding a little bit, I do kind of wish we had a moment with Gunji mentioning his friends because mm. the implication is that Gunji's by himself now. Mm-hmm. What happened to everybody else? And I, I'm, you know, I know it's the bad batch, right? Like everybody has their opinions on what happens whenever you have a cameo and it gets, it shrinks the galaxy. We've beaten that sentiment to death. Um, but like these animated shows for me make me happiest in terms of fan service. When I find out about the characters that got the shaft at the end of clone wars. And mm-hmm. when I say got the shaft, I mean when Disney canceled star Wars originally, because yeah. that to me was the worst part is I had all these characters, you know, Rex, Ahsoka, uh, even saw Guerrera at the time before rogue one. Like Clone Wars got canceled in 2013 and it's like, well, what happened to everybody? We don't see them running around anymore. And like little by little, oh, uh, uh, Numa girl, the Twi'lek is here. Cool. She's I mean, she wasn't one I was like dying to know about, but I was like, oh, cool. So every time we just get like a little bit more of the story that we didn't get from Clone Wars. I just, I, I love it. Like, I, I really, I always connect with it. I'm just excited to see the characters that we don't know what happened to. But now, because we saw Gunji, and I mean, you know, I knew we were going to see Gunji because of the teaser. But now I'm like, with Petra, with Katuni, with, with Biff. <laughs> oh, my God. Where is everybody? Is Biff all right? Is he safe? See, I, I almost don't want to know that, though, because I uh, don't want all of them to have survived Order 66. Right. Because that and, feels unrealistic. But I also don't want to know that they died. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so here's, here's, here's one piece of interesting factoid trivia. I, I, Hondo's ship in Galaxy's Edge is apparently named Katuni. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't tell me that. I feel like that's not a good sign. Yeah. That's, that's my feeling as well. Right. Yeah. Um, And I mean, like, obviously, Galaxy's Edge is placed in time. Uh, I mean, like, at, I, we're talking about like almost 50 years yeah. into the future from where we're at in Bad Batch, right? Because not, not, not quite, because it's between The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. So it's, it's 30 years after Return of the Jedi. No, I guess it is like 50 years yeah. because we're yeah, like, okay. we're like a year or maybe two after. Revenge of the Sith. There's 19 years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, and then and then there's a few years. What is it officially right now? It's like four or five years it, during the original trilogy. So yeah, so we're talking about like 50 years into the future. It, here's the thing: we we know that Weequay don't age that much. <laughs> we no, can confirm that because Hondo pretty much looking the same. Um, but yeah, it's so very interesting that that his that his ship on uh, on on Batu is is named after Katuni. Um, All right, Kyle, I I have a pitch for you that you let me know if you're into it or not. Okay. Three episodes, Tales of the Jedi, of the six of them. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that would be a perfect place to tell those stories if they right? were ever going to tell them. But again, it's right? just like I, I kind of would rather not know 
because I, like, I don't watch them. I will. <laughs> I like like I like those characters enough that I would watch more stories with them. But also, I'm not like it's not foremost in my mind. I'm not like I need to know what happened to Zat, you know, but like <laughs> it's like I don't want them to have all survived Order 66 because I don't want too many Jedi running around. And at the same time, like I don't want to watch them die. So <laughs> I'm OK to just leave that up to the viewer's imagination. One of the six of them should, I'm not saying that they, that they do or that they will have something to do with Grogu making it out of the Jedi temple. One of the six of them should be part of that story. Like that's like, that's my feeling, right? Like like one of the six of them should. And, and I, and I think that like, Katuni being kind of the old, I because she was kind of the oldest one, right? She was kind of the leader. I uh, that would make sense to me that 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 would be that character. But um, but yeah, yeah, it, it it it's a it's a weird thing because obviously, like you can go back and you can listen to the episodes uh, with with the younglings, starting with the gathering, right? Um, and you like like we talked about it back then of like, this is rough. It's rough to get to know these characters knowing <laughs> that they all die. Right. So Gunji being around, I is, I think very interesting because here's the thing about Gunji. He is absolutely like up for grabs in the sequel era. So, Whatever they do with Ray next, at this point, until we're told otherwise, Gunji better be out there. Like he <laughs> better be one of the Jedi that she that she meets. And it's like, oh, oh, you were actually trained in the temple. And for and like what an opportunity for an incredibly complex like counter character, because we expect from all of the stuff with him at this point that he's like because he's he's a pretty uh um, I don't know. Like he's a Wookiee, right? He's got he's got that same sort of like jovial charm that that Chewie has, right? Mm-hmm. He's pretty much just Chewie with a lightsaber, um, and a snaggletooth. But <laughs> I, but what a great opportunity to like jump forward into the future and reconnect with that character and be like, so what's happened to you in the last fifty years? You've survived. What does that mean, right? Uh, especially knowing what happens to the other Jedi who attempt to survive, <laughs> right? Like knowing what happens to Kanan, knowing what happened, what Ahsoka has been through, um, knowing uh, at least part of what Ezra has gone through in order to be a Jedi in that time period. And to have, to have Gunji still around, I think would be like such a fascinating thing. And for him to be like a link to the old Jedi, and to be like alongside characters like Ray and Finn and theoretically Ben Solo, if you brought him back to life, I, I, or if he never really technically died because it's the force and from a certain point of view and all that. But (laughs) I, I, yeah, like, like to have, to have it be like, Oh wow. You are like, you're a direct link to the, to the old Republic to, to the, the, the Jedi order. And for Gunji to be like, no, I'm not like, no, because I won't link you to that. Like, I like, like for to have a character who lived it, then like be able to 
even in in a wookie way like for, like verbalize that the because it's one thing for Luke to say like it's time for the Jedi to end you know they uh, it was a Jedi master who was responsible for Darth Vader blah 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 all of the stuff that he says it's like yeah but Luke you weren't there right like you're like and and Luke obviously the purpose of that story is that Luke was wrong and misinterpreted what not misinterpreted, but like took the wrong lessons from what had happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and was on, was on his own path to the dark side in a way as a result. Right. Because fear was what was motivating him, which is why he does what he does. I, and you know, people who can't see that need to watch that movie again. But anyways, um, and it's it's even in the Mandalorian, even as much as everybody or not the Mandalorian, I guess it's in the Book of Boba Fett, but it's in the Mandalorian episodes of the Book of Boba Fett, where it's like everybody's all excited that Luke Skywalker's back, and then the Luke Skywalker that we get is like terrified to do anything. He's like <laughs> frozen in place post Return of the Jedi and has not evolved as a Jedi because he's like terrified to make the wrong choice. So to have a have a Jedi who was there in the temple who survived order 66 who has all of that memory but then is like no that order had its chance and there's a reason why this needs to be different like i think that that's and what a great way to like almost almost um not retcon because it wouldn't really retcon it but in a way to uh to embody the spirit of of um of Lobaka, it's Lobaka, right? Who from the 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 Young Jedi Knight series or whatever? Um, that's that's Chewie's nephew. That's with them. That's with Jason and Jaina and all of them. I'm right on that, right? It's it's Lobaka. I, I don't remember. I thought yeah, I don't wasn't there character. another Wookiee Jedi that was like Plo Koon's master? I don't. I know. Well, I mean, like cur- currently in in the High Republic, there's Boriaga who. Well, right, is, right is a, a Wookiee, but yeah, I think I'm I was thinking sure. Lobaka was, it was an older Jedi for some reason, but I could be wrong. No, I'm, I'm almost positive that, 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 that Lobaka is, is the character that I'm thinking of. But in any case, the, the, there is a character in the, the, the young Jedi Knight stories um, that I think is introduced. Uh, maybe actually he might be introduced in those. Was he introduced in the Jedi Academy? I don't remember, but it's man, it's so long ago now, <laughs> so long ago. I uh, but I uh, but yeah, like like you could have a char- like that character would be like sort of uh, a, a a a different take on 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 that that character. So uh, I like there, I think there's a really cool opportunity there, but I also think there's a really cool opportunity. We're gonna get flashbacks in Mando season three to order 66 we know that we've already seen it in the trailers so like how cool would it be if one of these characters petro would be the easiest because he's just an italian kid uh, <laughs> i i that was my that's hey, my read on him. <laughs> that's that's my read on petro because he's got he's got that black hair and the darker skin tone but not necessary he's let's say this Petro is ethnically ambiguous, so he could be played <laughs> by a variety of different actors. But but the name Petro feels Italian to me. <laughs> Tell me, me if I'm Petro. wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know. That character just always felt kind of Italian to me. Um, I that's okay to say, right? I 
but because uh, these are all the like, this was the great thing about the Clone Wars and about Bad Batch is that we can have as many aliens as we want because it really doesn't matter. But I just don't think that they're going to like do up some uh, some 12 year old in green makeup and give them some tendrils so that we can get Zat, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. as much as I would love that because 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 I, I love a Nautilin. I, I Kit Fistle, my favorite my favorite uh, of the uh, the the random Jedi that were introduced in Attack of the Clones. Um, I don't think that's an I don't I don't think that's an unpopular choice either. I think that's no. I was gonna say, like isn't he? One. Isn't he most people's Kit Fisto? Well, I mean, like he gets the moment, right? He gets his yeah. he gets his little <laughs> smile with C three PO, and then he gets like, a Jamaican accent from Phil Lamar in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Like, come on. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that in a good way. But in case, that. in case that sounded like, a, oh, come on, it's like, no, come on, how can you not love the guy? As if, as if the accusations of of uh, 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 racial stereotyping yeah. weren't bad enough with with Jar Jar already, and it's like, and then and here Watto comes Phil Lamar and Watto. Yeah, look, look, listen, I, it, you know, there are accents in Star Wars. It's fine. Um, I. Yeah, uh, it's not as bad as the Harry Potter stuff, so uh, we'll let it go. Um, anyways, <laughs> that's like a whole other tangent that we could go off on, but uh, but we won't because we don't need to. Um, but yeah, like I just I don't think that I don't think that we really need to find out in a story what happened to Genodi. I think that I think we're I think I think we can just we can just find out. You know, Genodi didn't make it. You know, Biff. I don't need to. Like, this is the thing with Biff. I don't need to see that happen to Biff. You know what I mean? Like, because Biff is the cutest one, right? Yeah. Like, like he got those big Athorian eyes. I uh, and I, uh, I, yeah. Like, come on. But I, uh, it. I mean, it makes the most sense for Gunji to be the one that that gets to carry on the story. But it's the the thing that I want to point out is like, we're still in the Clone Wars style, right? And we got to actually see quite a few Wookiees throughout Clone Wars. Um, And at the time, I felt like these Wookiees all look pretty good. They look like actual Wookiees, right? But then the Bad Batch goes and shows us a whole bunch of Wookiees. And I'm like, oh, those Wookiees in Clone Wars look bad, guys. (laughs) They look bad. They don't look good. Because Gunji when you compare the models from, from the gathering and then I, I from tribe, it's like night and day. Like Gunji looks so good in this episode. He is so expressive and the, 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 like the face shape. Um, it, it, I talked about my pet peeve with KOTOR, right? And I have a pet peeve with Wookiees that like Chewbacca looks a certain way. And the rest of the Wookiees and Chewbacca, especially in Revenge of the Sith, they look artificial and Chewie never looked artificial. Like, I think that's the thing in A New Hope that sells that character more than anything is that, like, even though we can see that his throat does not go anywhere... (laughs) that it's like a little <laughs> circle in the back of a mask. It does not matter. And like, that's part, a big part of that is Peter Mayhew and um, what he was able to convey with just those beautiful, 
ocean blue eyes of his. <laughs> I, I, cause that was like, that was the thing where like, this is George. George was a genius. You guys. And like, I know I, that's not a controversial statement on a star Wars podcast, but I just think that people overlook sometimes how good he was at that stuff at, at casting and figuring out exactly who should be playing these roles. Cause you needed somebody behind that mask that was going to make you see Chewie as this, you know, big softy. Right. Um, and, and, and so like, that all sells chewy in a way that when we come back in the prequels and we see, we even, we see Peter Mayhew again in that mask. Like it's so there's so many animatronics. It's the same thing that happened with the, with the Yoda puppet in, in the Phantom Menace. Right. It was like the technology had advanced so much that all you could see was the tech. All you could see was the animatronics and the rubber trying to look real as opposed mm-hmm. to what you see in the original trilogy, which is real materials that have been like placed over, you know, uh, uh, in, in Chewie's instance, like a, like a, a, a person emoting underneath mm-hmm. it. Right. Or in the instance of like with Yoda, you've got Frank Oz doing like the, the best work of his career as a puppeteer. And there's animatronics and stuff with that as well, but it's almost like the limitation is what gives that its magic. Um, and then they nailed it in, in the last Jedi. Like I, I, you could, they should have done a whole documentary just on that part. I know that there's like during the director and the Jedi, there's a significant chunk dedicated to Frank Oz coming back with the Yoda puppet, but, and how they achieved that. But that somehow whoever, I guess that was Neil Scanlon, right. Doing that stuff. Like, like they did it in a way that like, like the prequels, and then and then Clone Wars kind of like aping the prequels, looking maybe looking a little bit more like the prequels with their Wookiees. I don't know. There's just something like they it, they just the the shape never felt right. Like they're like all the Wookiees in Revenge of the Sith, like their heads are too big. They look like they look like Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. You know what I mean? Like like there's they're they're too beefy. They're too big and bulky. Yeah, um, kind of. I like I like I like it at the same time that I'm like I it just it, it doesn't it doesn't ring as true for me as seeing Chewie like when, <laughs> at the at the chess table at the Dejaric table when he's they're like hey, be careful it's not wise to upset a Wookiee right and then Chewie like puts his hands behind his head and leans back and it's just <laughs> like there he's such a natural character and the animated stuff, even Chewie, when they brought him in, in the Clone Wars, it just like, it didn't, it didn't capture that for me. It didn't feel that way. All of the Wookiees in this episode, I was like, there we go here. Like, yes, perfect. Um, in the way that actually black Kersantin also, and, and that was, oh, well, I'm, I just blanked on the actor's name. I had it. And then it fell out of my head. No, Carrie Jones. Yes. Thank you. I what is what super cool dude? What is the key to Black Kersantin as a character to that character working? Because there's a lot about him that's absolutely ridiculous, like the fact that we can see a scar through his fur, right? Like <laughs> it does, it makes no sense. And he's got he just he never takes the 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 knuckle dusters off. Like he's always got his big spiked brass knuckles on all the time. Um, and I mean, like, I think we know from the comics that they're like attached to him, right? He can't take them off. But like that character is a comic book character brought to life. 
the only reason that he works and the reason why I fell in love with him is because just like Chewbacca, it's all in the eyes. A hundred and ten percent. He performs the hell out of that character through all of that prosthetic and animatronic and all of that with his eyes. Like it's so good. I could just I can watch clips of Kersantin all day. Um and and if it didn't work when when Boba calls him Santo, you'd be like, What? But because it works, because the performance is so good, you're like, yeah, that's my guy. That's my guy, Santo. And then I bought his skin in Fortnite. And that's one of like my primary skins that I use in Fortnite because Black Santon is awesome. Huh. So I it, it, we're, I feel like we're in a Wookiee renaissance is what I'm saying. We're, we're, we're Finally, these Wookiees are looking the way that they should. If only Galaxy's Edge could have a Chewbacca that actually looks like Chewbacca and not somebody who went to the spirit Halloween store and bought, <laughs> bought a costume. Cause that chewy just like, look for my kids, it's fine. But for me, like I want a picture with a real looking chewy and it's possible because well, we go, go to, go to celebration and you get a picture with, with a pretty good, you can get a pretty good chewy. Um, you got to hunt, you got to hunt for the good chewies, which I'm always on the hunt for the good chewies, but I, but they're there. You know, people people can nail it, but yeah, for Disney for the Disney Park to not nail it, it just drives me nuts. It drives me nuts because everything else is so perfect. All of the other walk around characters that they have going are so good, and I'm bummed that I never got to see. Uh, in October, we 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 kept going back, and we never got to see Boba and Fennec. But um, but everybody else that that we see, uh, Kylie, uh, when you were there, you got to see Mando, right? yeah so well and it's funny because uh, i went I, I went with tim back in november and this was after they had announced that uh mando and grogu were coming and mm-hmm. we saw boba but we were like oh where's mando i hope we find out you know hope we get to see him yeah. too and then i saw on twitter later that mando's first day at the park was like the week after we went that's um, how it always is right yeah so i was like <laughs> oh that's why we couldn't find mando but then yeah, yeah i went back for my birthday a couple weeks ago and uh yeah mando was out walking around we were like taking pictures of him and he walks straight up to me and goes he's like are you a wanted fugitive and i was like uh no not that i'm aware of and he's like well then here's a tip try to look less suspicious and then just walks <laughs> off <laughs> did it sound like did it sound like pedro it sounded pretty good it yeah. was not perfect and i think i mean i don't know how they do those i'm assuming it's like you know they've just got pre-recorded voice lines in there or yeah something. they, do. they um, do yeah so it was i mean you could tell like it was not perfect but it was for a disney park it was believable yeah i felt like i was talking to you know the closest version of mando i could get not to pull back the curtain too much for those who are at galaxy's edge uh but if you watch the the troopers you'll see them do certain gestures with their hands. So their gloves have sensors in them. And if they do certain things, it'll, it'll, it'll say certain stuff. I I don't know like the exact technicality of it because they have so many phrases. Right. But uh, I figured they were doing something like that. I just didn't know how it all worked. Yeah. They, they, they have, they, they have ways of uh, some, like somehow they have ways of like basically doing gestures. And then when they do the gestures, the, the helmets, say the the lines um which yeah. is why like if you hang out in galaxy's edge enough and you see those stormtroopers walking around enough you'll hear the same stuff over and over um mm. but uh but 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 i mean like i was there twice this year and heard a, a pretty good variety of of um 
phrases and stuff like that. But there is a little bit of like sort of the same sim- similar similar sort of stuff of you know you know move along type dialogue where you're like, but that's fine because it's also like you there's there's certain things that they'll say that are that are kind of not iconic in in that way, but but just like like it's like okay yeah that's like some stormtrooper stuff, um, but yeah. Uh, that we we got off on a galaxy's edge tangent there, but yeah. I, well, bringing I, it back to the the Wookies, I mean, I hear what yeah. you're saying about how good those look, and it's funny because one thing I thought about, and you're you're comparing it to the Clone Wars animation, um, and I feel like they did something that I've noticed them doing a few times in Bad Batch, which is combining, like it, it clearly is like mostly the Clone Wars animated style, but I feel like they take some influence from like the few things that the animation did better in Rebels. Yeah. Um, which I feel like is mainly kind of like the more expressive faces and stuff like that. Um, but I was looking at the Wookiees and I was like, these almost look more like the Rebels Wookiees, except like really good. Like, because the Rebels Wookiees, like these, those are my least favorite Wookiees. I call them white yeah. dog Wookiees <laughs> because they have like no texture to them. They just look yeah. smooth and naked and, you know, wrong. But it's totally, like, it was almost like, um, and maybe it is, maybe they just added a little bit, a little bit more of that rebels, like expressiveness in the face. And that kind of made it look a little bit more like the rebels ones, but, um, yeah, you're right. Like the, just the, the overall like character models and the, the shape of the faces didn't look exactly like the ones from clone wars, but it had the same kind of like texture to the hair and stuff in clone wars that looked pretty good on those Wookiees. So, um, yeah, they did a great job with them, which again just made me be like, man, I wish we could have spent more time with them and I wish we could have kind of dug into the story a yeah. little bit more. Obviously, they were kind of trying to reuse some of the story elements from um that unused uh Clone Wars arc where the Bad Batch was gonna go to Kashyyyk with Yoda. Um, and there was gonna be like a big battle there, and Yoda was like joining the Wookiees as they were like praying to the trees, like asking permission before going to battle and stuff like that. And they were going to have like the giant four-legged creatures, which we saw them riding on in this episode. I thought they were going to be bigger. And maybe that's not the same design that they were going to use in Clone Wars. Maybe it was, um, you know, they just changed it up for this episode. But those creatures were cool. I don't know what you call those, but they're, you know, the big like tiger monkey sloth looking things that the the Wookiees were riding on. Um, But yeah, I mean, like everything in this show looks fantastic. They they are called Mylia. M-Y-L-A-Y-A. Interesting. Mylia Steeds. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's well, news yeah, to I mean, me. I, but yeah, yeah. I, I like those things a lot too. Again, I wish we could have seen them for more than, you know, two minutes, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, they're very cool. I The, 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 the ears on them remind me of... Um, oh my God, I can't remember any names tonight. The... the, the in Shira, there's the 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 Orko character in Shira. It's like I can't remember his name right now. I don't know why. But anyways, did you, you guys weren't Shira fans? I take it. No, That's, I haven't. I I think I've seen I, the first episode. He's kind of got a similar like cowl hooded like like ear thing going on. But yeah, I I loved that. Like it was so cool when they first show up. I wish. I wish that they hadn't been ruined in the not ruined, but like that we hadn't seen them already in in one of the trailers that it had been a surprise. Oh, yeah. That would have been really cool. A really cool surprise. But uh, 
but yeah, it's funny. The more I look at these Wookiee models, uh, the more I think you're right that they they took the the um, the rebels Wookies and and went and worked from there. But even even then, like I look at this one there uh, uh, for the 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 Wikipedia entry for tribe it's it's the one that's sitting next to to wrecker when they're drinking i think it's the end of the episode they're and they're drinking the stuff the whatever whatever wookie tree juice they're drinking and um the the features are really big and i i guess that was kind of true of the rebels ones as well but like his like his nose is very big and the mouth is very is very big and expressive but like when I look at this, it's like the thing that they got right with like the, the, like this character that I'm looking at and some of the other screenshots and with Gunji is the eyes. Like, and that's like, that's where I think that um, when you're talking about like, like what they learned from star Wars rebels, like that much more, um, that more it's a little bit more of like the anime sort of like Ghibli uh, sort of expressiveness in the eyes that that was in Rebels that was in that style is very different from Clone Wars because Clone Wars was always meant to not always but it re- initially meant to be like the maquettes right it was mm-hmm. meant to be like like uh, um, like Thunderbirds or or you know like like that sort of thing. Um, uh, I guess I guess the the younger I don't even know if younger generations would have the the Team America reference anymore. Is that even a reference that you can make in the year twenty twenty three? But uh, but yeah, they were they were always supposed to kind of have a little bit of like that that glassy eyed look to them, and they did. But season seven of Clone Wars had moved away from that, obviously. And then, and then Bad Batch has moved even further away. So these new Wookiee models, it's like their eye. And like, I can't, I can't make it clear enough that I think that's kind of the key to a Wookiee is you have to be able to look in their eyes and see, um, there's like a, there's like a, a, like a benevolence to the, to, to, to Wookiees. Um, mm-hmm. that then when you see Chris Anton and he's like this rage filled monster at first, until you find out that just like every other Wookiee, he's actually a big softy on the inside, right? Like once you get to know him, he's actually pretty, he's a pretty nice guy, but I, I just don't piss him off. Right. <laughs> hmm. Um, or be a Trandoshan. Just don't be yeah. a Trandoshan. Don't be <laughs> yeah. a happy Trandoshan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like it, I, I really, really feel like that's so important. And I think that that was like that was expressed here. But Gunji got such a glow up, like such a glow up yeah. in this design. Um, really, really, really want Hondo to show up on this show, you guys. And <laughs> I just like I want to see what Hondo looks like with an upgraded character model just like back with like give him the jacket again because they took his yes. jacket away in rebels oh, i hate rebels hondo i mean i yeah. love hondo the, the character the, i hate the, the, design, i hate the look the of design. rebels hondo he looks yeah. like he's just running around in his pajamas <laughs> yeah i want i want like the story that explains that like 
like uh he makes a comment about it in one of the episodes i think about like he used to have a nice jacket he's he was like oh i used to have this jacket you wouldn't believe it sort of thing like he has he, there's a there's like a throwaway line that he says to ezra at some point one of his appearances um uh it might actually be in like like towards the finale when they're all sort of like gathering the allies or whatever and we get moments of like walking into rooms and characters are sort of like in the middle of things and i think that that he's like telling somebody about his beautiful jacket um but uh he's uh, thankfully he's got it back in galaxy's edge right like he's or yeah a new one maybe presumably but uh yeah i i i <laughs> this is so dumb give us the story of how hondo lost his jacket oh my god guys <laughs> I would die, you guys. If there was an episode of Bad Batch and like Hondo and Omega go off on an adventure and in the course of that adventure, like Hondo's jacket gets like caught on something and pulled off and he like and he's like reaching out for it. And and, uh, we get like a Last Crusade reference where Omega's like, like, you have to let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Be so good. It would be so good. I, that would be the best thing ever. All right, I, so in terms of random si- Star Wars side stories, Joe wants to see more younglings get killed. Mike wants yes. a Hondo's jacket story. I got to come up with something that fits with those two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, obviously you want something that connects into KOTOR because you're such a big KOTOR fanboy. So. Yeah. Well, that's KOTOR true. nerd. <laughs> I like how I like how at the beginning of the episode Joe was defending Kyle's KOTOR now, I actually <laughs> agree with every word Kyle said, but I'm gonna jump on any bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. I uh, you're a joiner, right? It's a it's, that's am. a good quality. I am a joiner. I uh, <laughs> awesome. Um I the other thing that I want to point out about the animation in this episode, fire has never looked this good in computer animation. In my opinion, I I can't. It's one of the things that I clock because um, a lot of the time, what you'll actually see in in computer animated stuff is photorealistic fire, because they'll like film fire on a plate and and not a plate like a dinner plate, like a like a like a clean uh, slate of film, right? Like like so that they can composite it into cg because fire is really really hard to do this looked like it was technical animation uh really really complex technical animation because there's a lot of fire in this episode but it it's as photorealistic as the bad batch world is which like at times from a distance it can look like when they're when they're landing on kashyyyk there's a moment where the ship's flying. We get one of our classic, you know, Star Wars uh, ship flying overhead sort of thing um, I, as it approaches the planet. And it's like it looks like the 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 forest looks almost photorealistic unless you look really close at the detail. Right. And the fire was really similar where like it had I. Uh, it was very realistic, but it had a, a Clone Wars style to it. Um, where it was kind of like there was like a little bit of a texture and then it was almost I don't know if it was like animated on twos which is like I I a really easy way to explain that is like the Spider-Verse movie you know how like it's sort of like it's not as smooth and fluid as like a, your standard like Pixar 
computer mm-hmm. animation sort of thing, but it looks like it's actually sort of like hand drawn. Um, but it it kind of had a little bit of that to give it a little more of the flicker effect. Um, but it was just it was done so so well. Uh, the the second time we really get to see them them lighting up the forest. Um, I and I guess it's it's like sort of towards the end of of the battle. There's a moment where the 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 flame just kind of like goes right in front of the camera, and I was just like, "Holy yeah, crap, that looked good!" It's when Gunji is having like the final showdown with the the Trandoshan leader, and he's yeah. got his flamethrower, and he kind of like spins it in a circle, and then and they end up enclosed in like a circle of flame, and then he's yeah. trapped in it when the spiders come down to get him. Yeah, so like this is just my opportunity on this show to shout out Joel Aaron and his team because this is the sort of thing that like there's a lot of really good computer animated stuff nowadays. Like in 2008, nobody was working at the level that Lucasfilm Animation was, and I would say even by the time that that Clone Wars finished off in season five, still nobody was even close. Now we've got stuff like Arcane that's like. It was like, come on, guys, Arcane is pretty dang good, right? Like it's nipping at the heels of Lucasfilm animation in terms of like a TV series. Um, I mean, I I would argue from a technical standpoint, it might be better, but they also spent like five years on it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, But I I but yeah, like this, like I think that the team at Lucasfilm animation that's headed up basically by Joel Aaron as, as I, I sort of like sort of, I, I, I don't know what his exact title is um, on this show, but in the past, he's sort of had titles like, like the, like the head of technical animation and that sort of thing. So a lot of, a lot of stuff, if you, if you ever get the opportunity, he didn't do a panel at the most recent celebration, which really bummed me out because his panels are always so good um, where he goes through like, like, piece by piece and breaks down a lot of the stuff that they did and how they achieved it. Um, As like, like the person sort of in charge of, I think he might just be director of photography now. Um, And that might've been like sort of the last couple of seasons of clone wars. I think he might've had that title as well. But um, as, as a director of photography, as a DP or cinematographer on an animated project, so much of it is worrying about light. Right. Because that's what it that's Mm -hmm. what a DP does. But it's all artificial. So what you're actually worrying about more than anything is a lot of the technical animation stuff, because that's what that is. Right. So like a lot of the the lighting effects and and rendering and sort of like how explosions work and all of that sort of thing. And like I said, there used to be a lot of cheats where like they would film an explosion and then they would tweak it and then put it into the show instead of like it creating an actual 3D asset. Um, or like some sort of like complex technical animation and uh, fire was one of those things where you would just like go back and watch older CG stuff they're just they're just using real fire um, it's because it's just so so hard to animate it right yeah. um, but 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 with this one like they really outdid themselves and that's saying a lot because they've done a lot of really impressive stuff over the last few years with Tales of the Jedi the final season of clone wars um there's like there's some ridiculous stuff in the siege of mandalore arc that's just like holy crap like like the snow at the very end i i think a lot of people take that stuff for granted (laughs) of like 
yeah and then they just turned the snow on in the computer right and it's like no no you guys there's like math that has to be done and physics engines that have to be built in order to get this stuff to work the way that it does and fire is just i think like the most elusive thing and uh and 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 they sorted it out they got it done so um yeah i i that's uh, that's that's enough of me gushing about that um i i think we lost joe but we'll no, keep I'm going oh, are you here <laughs> I'm, okay. all, I'm, I'm just taking it all in baby okay on the on on the on the monitor your uh your your uh your waveform disappeared and it's a little oh, yellow dot weird. but um but that's okay we'll, we'll keep going we're good um i won't even cut this part out you guys because that's how i roll uh, I'm right. lazy. Um, <laughs> and then I make excuses and say things like it's a conversational podcast and we want it to be naturalistic. Um, Give people a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. I, I, yeah. The, I think that I've sort of talked all my highlights of the episode. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about? Um, not that I can think of. Um, yeah, I think we hit all the main stuff. Yeah, we talked I mean, about Genji. Was... We we talked about monkey tigers. We talked about fire. Yeah, I have a question. Yeah, that I will pose to you guys. Um, the thing that stuck out to me, uh, maybe it's more obvious than I'm I'm thinking it is. Uh, but does the Empire know about what happened on Kashyyyk? Because you have the clone earlier on saying, "Oh, we have to report to." command and then the transition's like yeah after i deal with them mm-hmm. i'm gonna kick their butts first but like do we know if the entire empire was actually removed like how much does the empire know now like obviously we don't know the answer but i'm curious what you guys think yeah do you, do you think that th- that line was there just to kind of wrap it up in a bow or do you feel like oh no they they could have actually found out like maybe those guys did reach out to command before you know they they launched their counteroffensive or whatever i yeah, think maybe, uh, sorry go, go ahead kyle you, you go first uh, yeah i was just gonna say maybe that was put in there intentionally to keep the empire off of gunji's heels for the sake mm. of the story because okay. we know the empire is not done with kashik um you know, there's lots of stories dealing with like enslaved Wookiees and stuff. And even like Jedi Fallen Order takes place a couple years after this. And the Empire yeah. still has a very heavy presence on Kashyyyk. Um, and eventually, like they're going to notice, like if those Trandoshans were working for the Empire to help enslave Wookiees or whatever, um, they're eventually going to notice when those guys don't check in. Um, but they the, like, yeah, if if the Trandoshans were like, no, we got this and then they all get wiped out. Well, there are no Imperials around to go. Oh, they had a Jedi with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that was just a little workaround in the story to let us know, like, OK, like the Empire is going to be back. The Wookiees clearly aren't out of the woods. I guess that's not the best uh... phrase, but um <laughs> But Gunji for now is like, you know, it's not like Inquisitors are going to be coming after him as soon as the episode ends and he's toast. Like he gets to kind of, you know, stay with his people for a bit and help them out with all of the the challenges that they're dealing with. So that was at least, you know, my sort of take on it was that it's just like, okay, for at least for now, these particular group of Wookiees don't really have to worry about the Empire. Yeah, I yeah, that that was kind of my feeling as well. Right. I I think 
I think like the immediate threat, I think that line is definitely in there just so that we've addressed the fact of like, yeah, there's no, there is no inquisitor coming after him. There's no, uh, at least not yet. And there's no, the and bad batch is also off their radar in that respect. Um, I think that if anything gets back to command, it's just that like the Wookiees are, are rebelling. Um, and I think that it's it's a it's this thing that I have such conflict with because on the one hand, um, the empire is just sort of like plowing over them and 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 consuming everything in their path, um, uh, and you know the Wookiees obviously can't just allow that to happen. But every time they fight back, the empire comes back with a larger force right Mm. and so i think like that's sort of because we're so early after revenge of the sith that's what we're what we're what we're seeing here is like okay so immediately after the war the the empire pulled back most of the clones which we kind of know from the beginning of bad batch is that like basically all the clones were brought back to camino and and uh you know they all had to wipe the paint off of their armor and everything. And everybody had to go back to being shiny rags. Um, but, but the, I like, they were all sort of like checked out to make sure that everybody was loyal and then, and then started getting redeployed. And I think in the process of that, they like, they pulled back the clones, but they brought the Trandoshans in to deal with the Wookiees sort of thing. Right. Um, and to ransack the planet and to and take resources. And obviously the Trandoshans are very happy to do that because they don't like Wookiees. Uh, or, I mean, like, maybe they do like Wookiees from a certain point of view, but, like, in the sense that they like to sell their pelts on the black market. Or I don't even know if it requires the black market in Star Wars to sell a Wookiee pelt. It seems like there's a lot of bad people out there that just buy things uh, and don't care. But, um like I think like we're kind of get all of that. And so I like I don't think that, that at this point in the story there's like a massive imperial presence on Kashyyyk. But I think after this story there will be a much larger imperial presence on Kashyyyk. And mm-hmm. that'll sort of be a repercussion of what they're doing. Um I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about it later in the season too, because as I've talked about before, like the the sort of the overarching theme of this season and and we'll see what happens in the next two episodes. Right. Cause we've got the, the two parter coming up this week. Um, I think that the overarching theme is what happens when good men do nothing sort of thing. Mm. Right. Uh, and, and as they sort of like fight the empire in small ways here and there, it's actually not, it's not affecting change in the way that they think it is. It's actually probably working against the galaxy, not for it. Um, and, uh, I, and that's going to be like, so they're going to have their moment at some point this season where they're going to have to like step back and go like, what are we doing? Right. And it's going to, obviously that's the beginning of the rebellion, right. Or at least uh, the beginning of one of the many um, uh, rebel cells uh, that, that come together to become the rebel Alliance. Right. Uh, the, the the alliance to restore the republic as it's formally known right but uh, that like they, they have to bad batch has to they have to make a bunch of mistakes in order for that to hold weight and I 
I would think that like finding out that like after what you guys did on Kashyyyk, like they the Empire has tripled their presence mm. on the planet. Like they've they've clamped down and now like nobody's getting in and out except for the Trandoshans and they're just selling Wookiee slaves to Kessel and who knows where, right? Like it, for us to find that out, I think would be would be like I it's it sounds bad because I'm like, I think that would be really cool. Obviously, it's not good for the fictional characters that are the Wookiees. I think it would be a really interesting story point for our characters to have to confront the idea that what they think they're doing as helping is actually causing more trouble. And I think like that gives us a good piece of conflict for Hunter, who's going to be like, see, this is what I've been talking about. We need to hide. And for Echo to be like, no, this is why we need to organize. This is why like Rex is right. We need, there's a bigger fight and we're a part of it, whether we like it or not. And then whatever happens with Sid, which is, which is what will happen. Um, like that, I think that'll be like sort of the, the, the spark point of them being like, Oh, okay. Now we're taking the fight to the empire. We're going to gather allies and, and, uh, I, and I mean, like, I, I hope, that this is all leading towards a clone trooper uprising, right? That will like be the real story of why the empire went from clones to, to just conscripted stormtroopers. Um, and Rampart will get everything that he's wanting, but he, <laughs> I don't think that he'll live to see the day. Like, I think that's kind of the, the, that'll be like the poetic justice of it is that like, uh, they'll take the fight to whatever the that mountain fortress thing from the end of season one was. I can't remember the name of that planet, but uh, I I I I think that like they'll like that'll be like the big fight is like them sort of freeing the clone troopers, um and uh, and 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 fighting that fight, and then we'll f- find out why like clones are basically like destitute guys on Dayu and stuff like that. Like, it'll <laughs> and why, why Rex and Gregor and Wolf take off to go hunt Jabu Jabu. I don't remember what that thing was. Ah, oh, Jabu Jabu. <laughs> what was it? What was, I said the, I said the legend of Zelda thing. And then Kyle, you said the real thing. What the word is uh, Jupas. Jupas. Sure. I see. I was yeah. close. I knew, I knew it was like the same syllables, right? I would not have remembered it except I'm rewatching rebels right now with my wife yeah, who's yeah. watching it for the first time. So, and we're, we just it, finished season two. So I, I watched that not that long ago. That is one of the best episodes of rebels, like hands down. That's one of the best episodes of the entire series. Yeah. Uh, that's it's pretty good so, one. so good. All the jaws references and everything. I have the Lego set for that, for their ATT. It is to this day, my favorite Lego set. It's such nice. a good Lego set. I got that one, and then I got the the ghost, uh, not the ghost, the Phantom. And you, like, there's that you can actually like put the like it's big enough that you can put the Phantom Lego set docked on top of it, like it does in the show. So good. Um, that's I mean, like that's it. That's all I have to say about this episode. How about you guys? Yeah, that's pretty much it for me, too. I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, I just for an episode featuring Gunji and Wookiees and everything, I was kind of hoping for a bit more like oomph to the story and maybe, you know, ways that it connected to other things and and some more depth to the Wookiee culture and stuff. But at the same time, it was a perfectly good episode. I enjoyed everything that we got in it. Um, 
I am really looking forward to that two-parter next week where we get, you know, more about the clone. That's the one that's like the clone conspiracy and truth and consequences. So all that stuff that you're talking about, a clone uprising, I'm like, maybe we're going to start seeing that sooner than later. Um, yeah, I think so. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what we get there. Um, but yeah, all I, I mean, you know, we, we talked about earlier about all the younglings and, you know, bringing Gunji back and what does that mean for the rest of them? And, you know, could they do more stories? And like, all I'll say is if you could only save one of those kids, if I could only save one of those kids, it would be Gunji. So I'm glad they made (laughs) the same choice that I would have (laughs) made. Yeah, I think I look, I think that that's going to be the common, the, uh, the, 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 the common, uh, choice there is Gunji. I think that he stands out amongst the other younglings from the gathering. But I want uh, Biff to be Neville Longbottom. <laughs> that's what I want more than anything. Is I want yeah. the little the little fat kid who nobody expects anything from. He's yeah. just gonna he's gonna be our underdog and he's gonna show up and he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> sacrifice himself or whatever. Just do something <laughs> insane, like awesome and badass. I that's can take all on I the want. Empire all by myself. Yeah, yeah, and then he gets dacked. <laughs> exactly. Like a you want like a you want like an Obi Wan Kenobi season finale moment with the rocks. Like you want him to like do some god tier. Uh, maybe uh, not. Maybe not that. Okay. Silly, but like definitely higher caliber than people expected of him. Yeah. And I'm okay with him sacrificing himself if it means that everybody else gets to get away. Or whoever, even if it is just Gunji. Yeah, uh, you know what? Grogu and Gunji, yes. I'm I'm into it. I'm totally into it. I'd be yeah. so okay with that. I really hope that they're not, like, teasing us with that Mando stuff and that, like, we're actually going to get, like, the full-on, like, here's what happened to Grogu. Yeah. Like, I think it's time. I think it's time for us to get the full story of, like, man, I... I had a whole conversation with Carl on Saturday that we were not recording a podcast. We were talking about another project, Carl from the Wampus Lair, and uh, and we were talking about Luke Skywalker and the way that like, because because he's got he still has misgivings about the way that Luke has handled in the Last Jedi, and uh, uh, we were talking about it, and I was like, well, like Ryan Johnson is kind of, he's kind of, his hands are tied because the Disney Lucasfilm monster is like you can only say these things about what happened to Luke between return of the Jedi and the force awakens. Like you can only say the things that directly relate to the Kylo Ren story, basically the stuff that's in the movie. Right. And like you, but like, we're not going to talk about anything else because you need to leave it open so that we can tell stories later. Right. Like don't, don't put it, don't say it in dialogue in five minutes of the movie. Cause then we got to like, figure out how we work that into whatever story we want to sandwich Luke Skywalker into. And then lo and behold, they like it, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy, not a self-fulfilling prophecy. They left Luke open like that so that they could, so that they could just like insert him into another story. And that's what happens in Mando. And that's why there are some people who are like grumpy that Luke shows up in Mando. Cause it feels very much that it's like, wait, why is it Luke Skywalker though? Right. I, I, and and I just like I don't want them to do that with Grogu, right? Like, and it's Omega is the same thing, right? Like where it's like, like I like it's almost the same thing in reverse, where it's like we want Omega to show up in in the Mando timeline, and we need all of the stuff that happens in between to get it there. But I 
I don't like like I just I just hate I just hate it when they like just leave these massive gaps in the story um, so that they can like, well, I mean, we might want to do a comic book later. And it's like, but why don't you tell the story right now so that the story is served <laughs> and not, you know, mm-hmm. wait 15 years down the road so that you can release a bad book about it, you know, like after people have yelled enough and then you're like, OK, fine, we'll tell you what Ray's mom's name is in a book that no one's going to read. Right. And then, and her name is, I don't know what, what is her name? It's like, it's the worst. So bad. And then like, like Palpatine's clone's name is Dathan. It's Nathan with a D. It's like, come on guys. This is not how star Wars. No, this is, this is all, it's bad. It's all bad. Uh, Miramir is her name. I think Miramir. Oh yeah. That's Ray's mom's name is Miramir. Come on. Sure. Come on. I uh, anyways, The Bad Batch is a TV show on Disney Plus and you guys uh I hope are watching it because if you're listening to this podcast, that'd be pretty messed up. That'd be jacked up if you got to the end of this episode and you're like, maybe I'll give Bad Batch a try. Um <laughs> but I I We'll they be back could have next been tuning week. in for discussions about Kotor and Legends Wookies, and you know, it's possible. It's possible. I highly Galaxy's unlikely, edge. but it is possible. I we'll be back next week to talk about the uh, two part episodes, uh, the Clone Conspiracy and Truth and Consequences. I uh, and uh, yeah, man. I mean, like that that puts us at the halfway point in the season, right? So yeah. Um. I uh, pretty crazy actually that that we are that we're already basically there we are already halfway through the season um really really interesting how things have been playing out it's I think it's one of those things that we're going to in a few weeks be looking back at these early episodes and going like okay that's why they were doing it the way that they did it and uh, and and that this season might actually work better on a rewatch when you're sort of like, okay, like we sort of like broke off with these, with these individual adventure episodes um, to establish some things that that we were going to come back to later on in the season. So um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping at least the tribe made me feel like we're much, that's much more likely than, than maybe Entombed did, which uh, if you weren't happy with our, our breakdown of Entombed last week, I'll just say, go listen to what the force because I, 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 Marie Claire like broke down a whole bunch of like mythic symbolism in the episode that just went totally over my head. But that once she says it, you're like, oh yeah, that's all totally there. It's all totally there, and it's actually like it's written into the episode. I just was too dumb to pay attention to it. I was like, <laughs> how come they're not doing anything cool? Um, but I, but but it is. It, it, I think maybe I need to go back and rewatch that episode when I'm not quite so tired. Uh, uh, maybe not watching it in the middle of the night because I stayed up for that one. Um, I don't know how you guys are feeling a, a, a two weeks later about Entombed, but but maybe 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 we were a little bit harsh on it. Maybe we weren't. Maybe we were right. Maybe it was a boring episode. I don't know. My opinion oh. has not changed. No? Okay. Yeah, mine hasn't either. I haven't honestly given it a whole lot of more thought since we recorded. But Okay. And again, cool. I, would, I wouldn't say it was a bad episode. <laughs> I just thought it no. was an 
unremarkable episode. Yeah. My brain is on the fact that Mando comes out in less than a month. So, right. Right. We're like three weeks away from Mando, guys. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Cool. That's it for this one. Thank you guys for joining me, of course. And thank you, everybody, for listening and uh, bearing with us through all of the random tangents this week. I I feel like we talked about stuff other than the episode more than the episode itself, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, what else is new? Yeah, what else is new? Uh, I, I, so last week, it, I published the episode. I'm like, we actually um stayed on topic for pretty much the whole episode, which was really weird and also resulted in a short episode. Uh, <laughs> but uh, But like I said, that's it for this one. We're done now. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back next week. Looks like Bad Batch is blasting off again! Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more. <laughs>